dude, I'm a roofer. He goes, I'm a contractor. He goes, I, <laughs> he goes, I know what's going on. I turned down a job because I knew this guy was a, a mobster. He goes, so these guys that were on the Death Star, they knew what they were getting into. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the What's Our Verdict TV podcast, where we fashion ourselves television judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-hosts, Ian Anderson. Some shit. Jay Vincent. Hey, guys. And today we have a very special guest host, Mason Estep. How's it going, guys? Do you guys ever find yourself wondering if you take the time to set your TiVo to record a show each week, spend the money on that streaming service, or invest hours into binging that show that all your friends are telling you to watch? Well, we're here to answer that question for you. We put TV shows on trial, discuss the facts, pass judgment, and let you know our verdict. To check out our other episodes, if you're joining us live on Facebook, you can, or if you're on Instagram later, you can head to our website using the link in our bio. If you're on YouTube, the link's in the description down below. You can also listen to us wherever fine podcasts are found, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Ghana, just to name a few. And as always, it's completely free to listen or watch. Today, we're reviewing Chapter 16 of The Mandalorian, The Rescue. The night is dark and full of spoilers, ladies and gentlemen. So if you haven't seen this episode, it is time to jump out now and join us on the replay or check us out on YouTube or listen on Tuesday when we go live with our podcast. This episode, guys, let's just jump right in, man. This thing starts out just as we expected. They got to pull the team together and he goes and grabs Boca and Casca Reeves. A couple things I loved is the obviously the big battle between that we have between Casca and Boba right out the gate. So Bo's pissed. She's like, "You're no Mandalorian," because I know that voice, and I just love that callback. So, so is Boba? So, I'm sorry, guys. I need your advice. Is Boba a clone? And if he is, because I kind of know that from Clone Wars, I just watched it. But if he is, is he the same clone that got eaten in Return of the Jedi? Great question. And yes, Jay, he is. And that's why he's all scarred up, right? And that's why okay. the armor was all beat. That's why he has history. Yes. So he he is a clone, but he's different than the other clones. So the clones that were soldiers and were the clone troopers were accelerated growth clones. So they made them adults very quickly. And and Jango Fett, when he agreed to be the the pattern or the, the person that they cloned, he said, I the only payment I want is an undoctored clone. I want and so he and then he raised him as his son. And so that's, that's the little guy in Clone Wars. Okay. Yep, okay. Yep. So that's him. And then he grows grows up through they you see him again in in the Clone Wars animated show as a child. And then you see him again in in Rebels for a minute as kind of a, a teenage adult, young adult. And then of course you see him in the movie. So and yes, he is the one that went into the Sarlacc pit in Jedi. They can make him young now, man. We can we can do a whole series of a Bobo Fett show with a young face now, guys. And by the way, just I just want to say Gorgu for life. Yes. I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss you, little guy. I love it. Well, as you can see, I'm I'm rocking the T-shirt, too. And then next week, just to give everybody a heads up, when we when we talk about the investor call stuff, I got another shirt just specially for that one. I just ordered it in. I loved it. So we'll be excited for that one. Yeah, so I really enjoyed the fact that they called out that and obviously, Bo-Katan was around a lot of clone troopers in the Rebels TV show in the Clone Wars. And so she I love that it was his voice. As soon as she heard him, she's like, oh, no, you're no freaking Mandalorian. You're a clone. So I, I really enjoyed that whole sequence. I thought it was cool, dude. Um, I loved how uh, he Boa got like defensive about it, you know, and he was like, this is my dad's armor. And his dad was the rightful ruler of Mandalore at one point in time, mm-hmm. which I know that's what Bo's like goal is. Right. So I don't know if she's aware of that. If she was just trying to get a dig in, but it certainly hit home. So I enjoyed the exchange. You know, it like 
seeing the old, like the prequel canon and like, you know, the original trilogy come together is, it's just a beautiful thing. Oh, isn't it dumb? I thought uh, the best line, and I got to look it up because I have no idea what was said, but it was basically when the, the girl, I don't know her name, but the, the other Mandalorian woman, that's not Bo-Katan. And I was a little confused because not knowing all of this, I was like, man, Bo-Katan's kind of a bitch. Like, I don't know if I want her to rule Mandalorian, you know, or Mandalore. But anyways, when she was like, oh, sidekick can't talk. And then he basically said, oh, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? But in like Star Wars terms, I was like, yeah. And then they just went at it, man. It was fuck. I, th- I, th- I thought, yeah, and I thought you would love that more than anything else because yeah, I remember long ago, you were like, I just want to see them team up and do some shit together. And I was like, well, here, here we go. <laughs> well, and part of the team up, and maybe you guys can answer this because it, it kind of bugged me the whole episode, but originally there were three Mandalorians and then there was only two and I kept thinking like where is this guy like did I miss a dialogue piece that said where he was or no, they don't address that at all. Yep, they don't. And and I wondered the same thing. I was like, where's the other at night owl? But who knows, man, that guy. And I kept thinking maybe he'd pop up later. They kept him in reserve or something. But yeah, they just never addressed it. But of course, they're always battling and he she's always sending them out. So he may be on a different mission. I just kind of let it go. But I had the same thought. I was like, where's the other dude? Like, do you think maybe they left him out so that there'd be that that it'd be like a second of like, oh, maybe this is the guy in the X-Wing that's coming. You know what I mean? I, you know, I definitely think that that could have been a thought process, but it, I think it's one of those things. And I don't want to go too far into the end yet because that's going to yeah, create yeah. a lot of our conversation. But I think as soon as that X-Wing showed up, especially if you're new to it, like for you, Jay, I could definitely see where you would go. Oh, maybe that's the third Mandalorian coming in. to that's what I think. Yeah. Guys like me, though, I saw that and I like teared up. I knew exactly <laughs> what was happening. I got all emotional yeah. and shit. Yeah. I, yeah, it was like, no, no, no. I know who that is. So it's, I was like, because the other thing that you think too, and I thought, you know what, a lot of these a lot of people that aren't familiar with Star Wars, as familiar with Star Wars, are going to think that's one of the two X-Wing guys that we've seen throughout this season, right? And that so, too. Yeah, so I was like, there it is. They're going to think it's those guys coming to help. But yeah, for me, I was just like, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. So that was going to oh, be yeah. my question to the two deep cut guys was, did you know right when you saw it, because oh, it took yeah. me a long time. Oh, it even I even questioned myself halfway through. I was like, "No way, they're gonna do this." <laughs> but oh, yeah, no. we'll get we'll get to that. Yeah. When, it was, when it was the single X wing, you already knew because he was always going off on his own. You know, yeah, um, well, especially because they, they called it out. So one thing about that uh, that scene, that fight that I thought was super cool, that kind of brought to a head uh, like an underlying theme across the Mandalorian is like what it means to be a Mandalorian. And like for Bo-Katan and Kara Rune, you know, it's uh, it's different. It's about Mandalore. It's about it's about the group of Mandalorians bringing them together and taking back Mandalore. For Boba, it's about like honor, family, tradition, not tradition, but family and honor. Like, you know, he respected, you know, when he told the Mandalorian, he said, you know, we'll help you get the child. Like he, he stood by his word. And then for Mando, it's about tradition. He's, he's got those very strict traditions and, uh, you know, never takes a helmet off. And so I thought it was cool when uh, Kara and uh, Boba both shot their flamethrowers at each other at the same time. It showed like, OK, even though they've all got their different approaches to being a Mandalorian and they wear their armor, at the end of the day, they're still going to try to shoot fight you. Hell so, yeah. No, I love that. Cool. That's a good point, Mason. I, I really yeah. like that. And I like that that's a kind of a theme too. like you said, throughout the whole show. I like that they've been carrying through that the different perspectives of each Mandalorian. 
interesting to kind of tie onto that too, because they mentioned two episodes ago when you first see Boba in the armor and they show that his code for his dad, that Django was brought in as a foundling, according to mm-hmm. now this canon, right? Mm-hmm. So he's going to have some of the similar beliefs and feelings and raising that, you know, Din Djarin has. That's which I think some of that reason that honor, we finish the job comes in. Whereas mm-hmm. on Bo-Katan, you don't see that at all, especially in like the animated stuff where she spent most of her time and was introduced. She's not that way at all. She's just protect Mandalore, lead Mandalore and do what's right for Mandalore itself as a whole. So that's a very good point. I like that. Yeah, that's that's insane because honestly now I'm looking back at the whole episode because they go through it the whole episode. The whole episode, they all have their different motives, one of which we don't find out until way later. But (laughs) (laughs) but still, for Mando, yeah, it is very much this is the way. And and, oh, my God, when he said the kid's my only priority, I was like... <laughs> so the next thing we see is they hijack this Imperial shuttle, right? That's carrying Dr. Pershing because they know they're going to need him to get onto the light cruiser with Gideon. So I, this, okay, this scene is subtly my, probably my second favorite scene in this whole show. And I say that because it does a couple of things. When the one guy takes Pershing hostage, kind of, and he's holding it, and then he has this conversation, right? And I, this is subtly, this show carries points of view from everyone in the universe, in the galaxy, right? It's not just, you know, it's all about the rebels and it's all about the new Republic. It's, this is something, and it, it was a nice callback to, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Clerks, old school reference there, but there's a conversation in Clerks by Kevin Smith and it's just this random out of nowhere conversation where he's like man I watched Return of the Jedi the other day and then he's like they start talking about Star Wars and the fact that the third the second Death Star was under construction so when they blew it up (laughs) all of these innocent construction workers (laughs) were killed during this blow up right so and then this it's really funny scene if you haven't seen it at least YouTube it because it's hilarious because then this guy is who's eavesdropping on this conversation comes over he goes dude I'm a roofer he goes I'm a contractor he goes i he goes i know what's going on i turned down a job because i knew this guy was a, a mobster he goes so these guys that were on the death star they knew what they were getting into <laughs> <laughs> but you know what you are completely right because from that's also one of my favorite scenes because from the very beginning i was like we never get to see a ship getting taken over from this point of view like we're mm-hmm. always the ship taking over another ship we don't get to watch the ship roll up Everybody get freaked out. Mando board, hear all the sounds. And uh, that guy, what was funny about him was he was like, I don't got a death wish. Motherfucker, you got a big death wish if you're just going <laughs> to shit talk Cara Dune until she blows your face away, man. What the fuck were you talking about in the beginning? <laughs> like, hey. uh, But it was so good. I love the whole exchange. I liked it, too, because that ship is, I mean, it carries a lot of weight, you know, with uh, – it, 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 I think it, what it does is it's establishing where Dr. Pershing is in the hierarchy. I mean, this is like precious cargo. The uh, Grogu's not even on the ship. It's just yeah. him. He's the precious cargo. So, I mean, previously, who, who do we see on that? We saw uh, with the Emperor, right? So it's showing in this post-Empire uh, world, you know, how important he is. And maybe he has a connection to the Emperor, which is kind of what we're thinking. That's crazy because I was wondering, like, why does this ship get the right? It's not a TIE fighter. Why is it going to go into this other ship? You know what I mean? But now that you explain it, 
that's a fucking great deep cut on their part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those Imperial shuttles, they're only ever used for high ranking officers in the Empire in the original trilogy and throughout. They're they're a very special ship. So it was really cool to see how they tie that back in. But yeah, I, I just loved that whole scene. And then they just keep beating on Cara Dune and the whole Alderaan thing. Like I'm like, man, why would you mess with this woman? Like and he was so brutal about it. Like he says, he's like, I you know, I don't give you it's a great cost to destroy terrorism. I was like, oh shit, like this is serious right now. He was like like calling her out like i see a tear he was like you know what else i saw your fucking parents die <laughs> like, yeah. i was like whoa man Seriously. <laughs> yeah it was brutal but yeah i mean and i think like i said i love that this show doesn't shy away from showing both sides they did it last episode too where that imper- the imperial guy that valen hess when he and, and mayfield are talking like you see that perspective of they really do believe they're right and they feel like they're providing you know order to the galaxy so it was very interesting the other thing about that is when they were i, I noticed uh back when on in the last episode when they kind of went through that and i was wondering one of the things that i noticed was i was like and i never do this with films but bechtel test mm-hmm. and the two females that were in this 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 the episode they Every time they were talking about getting either him out or whatever, I was like, fuck, it doesn't pass the Bechtel test or whatever the fuck it is. This one totally made up for that shit, man, because they had the bad most badass female crew just fucking tearing apart this emperor or the the fucking ship inside man it was pretty crazy i like i was one of my special notes i was like oh they made up for that absolutely no i loved it and it, star wars especially since the animated series comes out has been very female heavy which is really cool i i really like that strong female characters throughout the star wars universe since animated shows and and everything following that including this one i mean Cara Dune's a great example of that bo-katan's huge Casca Reeves, she's great too. So I really like that. Another thing that I love is once they get on this shit, well, right before, sorry, let me back up. Pershing's talking about the dark troopers, which just tickled me. And I love that they actually brought both sides of the dark troopers into canon. Because up to this point, they were leading into just being the the droid version, right? So we saw them, they're droids. But then he mentions, they talk about who's in the suit. And he's like, nah, dude, we got rid of the human beings. We it's we got rid of the weakness. So I love that they actually brought in both sides of that. I was worried that they were going to keep the human version that where it was a bio suit out of canon, but they they brought it in just subtly. But yeah, then we get on the ship and we see, man, some tension there, right? Because they light up these dark troopers. Because let's be honest, Gideon's not stupid. He knows what's going on. Like he's figured out that this is a setup. So he sends out TIE fighters and then he's telling them, don't let them in this ship yet. But then they get in anyway, but he lights up and you can see he lights up these dark troopers early, which is why Mando has, is like, oh shit, right? So the tension there, I was like, God, if they get out, he's screwed. But he only, only one gets out. What'd you guys think of that fight? I want to hear you guys' thoughts before I jump in. What'd you guys think of Mando versus the dark trooper? I thought it was good. I mean, to, to a certain extent, when like, I thought I got a little bit like a joke when he just kept punching him in the face into the wall. And the wall was moving out, which was kind of cool. But like <laughs> it just was like, and the music was a little off, or like the music was kind of like it was like a dissonance. It was trying to act like it was like a horror thing. It was like <laughs> his head's not moving. He's fine, you know. Yeah. But I thought it's good to show like you know Mando's not like this, like Mary Sue or whatever, like this. You know, he's it's kind of his match. Like the Dark Trooper, I mean, is at the is above his level. So I thought that was good. I agree. I like yeah, that it right. wasn't just instant win some clever, you know, he did it. He got his ass beat for a minute. And if it weren't for the armor again, mm-hmm. this guy's yeah. toast. Right. Goodness for that best car. Yeah, that they brought out the spear. Cause I never pictured Mando as like a very 
you know, hand-to-hand combat type role. He's always using his his pistol and all that jazz. So it was kind of interesting to see him fight a little differently and use that best bar spirit he's been carrying around. I was glad to finally see it in action for more than just the weird they radio. They used it so much. And this, I mean, they did a little bit of a Derek Henry thing again at the end. But also, when we get to, I'll bring it up, because I have a big question about Mando's suit in one of the scenes. But you're right, though. The, the scene... I really liked it. And, and to get to Ian's point, he kind of exhausted all of his strategies besides the spear before using it. And and that came into play later on, which was really great. And I really liked I was like, you know, wondering how they were going to do that Darksaber fight. And I thought that was pretty cool, too. But with the, the, the Dark Trooper, man, the score was like you're right. It was like almost mm-hmm. rock and roll. A little bit because I had notes that was like, man, the scores not during the the Dark Troopers stuff, but during the the spoiler during the Jedi stuff. The music yeah. was amazing, dude. When you're watching everything on the screen, I was like, man, the score is killing it. But during that part, it wasn't cool. But but uh, yeah, he used his whistling uh, mm-hmm. disc Dixies or whatever they're called, <laughs> and, uh, and that was that was like the that was like the the gimmick to finally get him to to hand to hand combat to the spear, which was pretty fucking badass when he did use it. And again, in the fight to come. And I will say this: I loved that he he shot him out of the the rest of them out of the airlock. Like after he finally beats the one, I really enjoy because they set you up to think, oh well, the dark troopers are no longer a problem. Mm-hmm. Now all I need to worry about is, and it it got me. I'm not normally tricked by something like that, but I saw it and I was like, what a Star Wars way to get rid of these dark troopers, <laughs> right? Because like that is so cool, and especially for this show. So it's really I I bought into it. I thought, well, there goes the dark troopers, right? Now it's just Gideon. And then I was leaning into, I think, I can't remember if it was you, Jay, that was asking, or maybe it was you, Ian, that was talking about in a text about maybe Gideon has some force sensitivity. Mm. So in my brain, I'm leaning into going, maybe they're, they're going to show that Gideon's this just Billy badass, force sensitive, used to be, oh, it was Alec. Let me not take away from Alec, our fan Alec Burgess. He's the one that asked me in our comment. So, yeah, I, I thought maybe that was going to be the case, but I really enjoyed that they airlocked them and then brought them back later. But I was like, so that's which, such a Star Wars thing. That was the opposite, where it was like, they shot him out at the airlock, and I was like, there's no <laughs> way. They've built these guys up to be so freaking awesome, but that's all I get to see. <laughs> I knew Ian was going to was gonna pick up on that, because they got me too for a minute. When they came back, I was like, oh, yeah, fuck, they can fly. Duh. <laughs> like, they don't need to breathe in space. <laughs> And that's yeah. When they came back, like in that moment when you, they're like, "Oh, all these things, there's no life forms." I was like, "Oh, son of a bitch, you're an idiot!" Like, ahead <laughs> of like, "Come on, dude, you know they're droids. They don't need to breathe, and we've already seen them fly." So it's not like yeah. So I had a moment where I was like, "Oh, that was stupid on my part," but oh yeah, I bought in completely. I thought they were done. <laughs> Let's talk about Gideon. So this, I loved this scene again. Another top tier scene for me was he walks into the prison the cell where grogu's at and he's just holding the dark saber over this dude's head and i'm like what a dick like I know. <laughs> he's so brutal but then this whole conversation that they have i love because again and there's more to it i'm this is a piece that i want to talk about and i want to hear you guys thought on the whole scene but for me the part that i love is you 100 see mando's ready to just cut it all loose he doesn't give a shit about anybody else in that ship he's ready to be like you're good i'm leaving just give me the kid you can keep the dark saber i don't give a shit about any of it i just want him and i loved that piece that look this dude's our hero right our hero but he don't care 
he just cares about that kid. And I love that part where mm-hmm. you see how extreme he's ready to go and he'll burn anyone for it. Well, that's like his background, man. Like, you know, like the Mandalorians, I mean, him as a, a foundling, like he was saved by these people who had no previous connection, essentially adopted. So for him, that, that, that tie is as deep as family can get for him. So that's why, that's why he's so intense about it. It's yeah, true. my thing with uh, with him has always been this is the way. I feel like that's Mando. Is like you know everybody has their other perspectives, and Mando's is just this is the way. Whether it's to have a, a a mask or not, but in the past two or three episodes, it's been like okay, Gorgu is the way, and now I'm very very. I mean, I don't want to get too much to it in then, but I'm very. I wondered, <laughs> I'm very concerned about where the story is going to go from here. I am <laughs> now now that uh, you guys have talked about. The different perspectives of the Mandalore. I am a little more hopeful than I was before walking into the show because I was like, "Well, what the fuck this is? Is it going to be now?" But now with the title Mandalorian and these different Mandalorian points of view on a bunch of different planets, you know, now um, I think they're going to they're going to have a lot to explore. But uh, yeah, absolutely, dude. He was like, "Fucking take the kid." And when the guy, when Gideon said, "Like I'm done with him," part of me was like, "Well." Is he? Because like, if you needed his blood, you could have just ended this in episode one. You know what I mean? And then like, maybe you're just there with his little handcuffs. Like, (laughs) it was just, oh man. So when he, when he did that and he did a very Gus Fring-ish thing was like, assume I know everything. I was like, yeah, fucking assume that dude. And then, uh, and then at the end, then when he like flipped it on him, I was like, I half was expecting that to come because it just didn't make sense why he would, Unless he got the mitochloria or whatever off of him and was and was going to show some force activity, I didn't really see him letting go. No, oh, yeah, I definitely they didn't fool me on this one. I knew he was going to double cross him. <laughs> okay, you yeah. can't just get, they they obviously they ran out of the blood one time, so they're not going to take a chance on running out of it again. Right, especially because he gives the very uh, not subtle tie into the first order. Now, only in my opinion, none of them have said the first order yet. All they've ever said is order. And we know that Palpatine called it the final order. Right. And I'm thinking, so I'm going to go off into theory land here for a Mm -hmm. second. So we've already had the drop of Thrawn, right? In in episode 14 or whatever it was, we had Thrawn mentioned. I'm not going to lie. This dude, Gideon, strikes me as someone that has studied under Thrawn. Because if you've read the book, especially the new books, the new trilogy, his commanders, those that serve with him, he trains them how to see things the way that he does, which is he sees every detail and he predicts things very well on how people are going to act. And everything that Gideon has done over the last two seasons strikes me as this is a guy that's been taught by Thrawn how to anticipate and how to make moves that will win in the end, even when you seem like you're losing, even up to the very end of this episode. You can't, there's no way to, there's certain things, especially when it comes to the Jedi interfering, you can't predict because they just didn't know at that time what was going on. But everything else he was ready for, even down to the point that he knew those dark troopers were coming back. Like he was mm-hmm. never worried. So I, I'm wondering if, and I say all that to say that Thrawn and Palpatine had a very close relationship. Thrawn was one of the only people other than Vader to actually have 
a working relationship with Palpatine. So like it, as Palpatine. Yes. Not, and, yeah, okay. and, you know, face to face conversations, he's not given orders like he goes to the palace quite often to speak with Palpatine and does a lot of things for Palpatine directly. So it wouldn't surprise me if this whole Palpatine connection to you know, the rise of Skywalker, we know the final order is coming here. We have Palp- we have Gideon, who's worked for Thrawn, who works directly for I it wouldn't shock me if that's the big tie in that they all know that this is coming and they won't say the first order because they're tied to the final order, not the first order. So, you know, I think, JJ, I think that's super interesting, that line of thought. I think what would be super cool is if we because the backstory from the first order, we never got it in this in the sequel trilogy. So how cool would that be if this whole series or one of these new tie in shows culminates in us getting to see the first order? Because I think the first order comes from Palpatine, just like the last order, the final order comes from Palpatine. So the first order is to maybe have Thrawn come back or I don't know, uh, you know, or send everybody into the the outer rim or past the outer rim. But also, dude, I think uh, I think you're right as far as um, with Thrawn. Even just the, the 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 ruthlessness of the Imperials has gone up. I mean, just the the ability to like the the readiness to kill themselves. Like uh, yeah. the one Imperial uh, when the uh, Mandalorians were you know raiding his ship, the other Imperial was like, you know what to do, and he's like. All right. Yep. Boom. You know, and like we didn't see that ever in the original series, you know, or even the prequels like, from yeah. the, you know, so that that does smell like Thrawn. And, you know, Thrawn, Thrawn, everyone else is playing checkers. Thrawn's playing chess, just like you said. So I think you're right. Uh, I I can I can prove how you're right, because <laughs> I was wondering why, why Giancarlo Esposito? Why cast Gus Fring? Mm-hmm. And he never showed like, you know, I've seen him in other shows be a bad guy. He's kind of along the same lines. And he never really showed. He kind of like it's been interesting to watch him because it's like you said, Gideon from like the first season, you said he kind of has this grandiose posture about him, which he does. But that's why, because I want to know who they cast as Thrawn, because you get a motherfucker like not to keep going back to Breaking Bad, but a person who can anticipate moves like a Gus Fring did, and you get him to be the the basically apprentice to somebody even worse. I want to know who the fuck Thrawn's going to be, man. Who are they going to cast for that? Like, that's yeah. going to be crazy. But I think you're absolutely on point. And now it makes the, the Giancarlo Esposito, as little as we've seen him, it makes it so much more than uh, what I previously thought it was. And it's some, something just to final thought on that, too. Like, they've got Gideon captured. Like, we don't know what's going on, but he's there. They have him. And I'll tell you one thing about Thrawn is he doesn't let his people go lightly. If he has a chance to rescue, if that's the case and they're tied together, would not shock me if some point that's kind of a tie-in where Thrawn comes back for Gideon because that's a very Thrawn thing to do. All right, you guys ready? I'm getting goosebumps again. Oh. <laughs> so I, I won't lie. At this point, the, the dark troopers are back. Everything's feeling not good because it's a lot of dark troopers and they're all trapped in the bridge of the ship. And then this lone X-Wing comes in and I saw it in my, the very first inkling was, oh, look, the, you know, the new Republic's going to come help. And then it was only one X-Wing. And then they made the comment of, it's just a lone X-Wing. And I lost it. Like, seriously, like goosebumps. I teared up a little bit. My stomach starts doing flips. And then you see this hooded figure come out. And I was like, oh, my God, they brought Luke into this shit. How did they pull this off? So then I'm just wondering how they're going to do it. And then this whole scene of him coming through the ship, just brutalizing these dark troopers like they're nothing. It was so what I've been waiting for for 37 years. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> poor, poor Luke throughout this series has never had because the technology and the, the training to get these guys ridiculous lightsaber fighting wasn't there in the original trilogy. So it was based on different fighting style. I've been waiting for Luke to have his moment for if, as long as I've been alive and watching this series. And this was very reminiscent of Vader's final scene in in rogue one. Oh yeah at the very that tunnel scene you see the smoke in the dark he's his hooded figure just chopping people down oh my gosh dude i like seriously couldn't even handle it i just was losing my mind on this even one. the last uh the last dark trooper he doesn't cut him he crushes him yeah and i was like that was fucking a badass use of the force yeah dude yeah jj what you described like i i messaged everybody all my star Wars circles <laughs> i was like have you seen it yet have you seen it yet like and they'd be like, oh, no, I have like, no, you don't understand. I'm immediately watching this again. And like, I, yeah, teared up, goosebumps. Cons- I got goosebumps when you were talking about it, dude. Yep. Like, I mean, it was everything everybody wanted in the sequel trilogy when we got the original cast back together, but didn't get to see it. Uh, we got teased a little bit in Rise of Skywalker with him and Leia, you know, you know, yep. training. But dude, just some quick thoughts. I mean, some analysis I've read about it, just getting to see him. Yeah, the the comparison, if you've seen the video comparison of this versus Vader Thunder Rogue One, awesome, father like son. And then also uh, when you really dive into it, there's he shows off a lot of different lightsaber forms, which you touched on. Like we didn't get to see it in the original trilogy in the canon was built yet. But like, I mean, he basically showed some forms from like Yoda has taught him the Yoda form, uh, Obi-Wan's form. But also he showed some Anakin too. When uh, he uh, he had a blast coming at him and he went, boom, you know, he took it from behind. It was yep. just like Anakin when he was taking down the uh, Federation at the end of three. So, dude, just incredible. I feel like I think everybody involved with this series just gets it. And like, I, you know, as much shit as we give Kathleen Kennedy, she still is technically in charge. So, man, I just my excitement from the end of Rise of Skywalker was here, you know. Yeah. Still, still, I love Star Wars. I, I love any Star Wars. Okay, I'll take it. But at the end of at the end of the Mandalorian season two, it's just like sky high, dude. And then that investor call. I mean, oh. mm, chef, uh, chef. <laughs> I gotta agree with Mason because I, while I'm not at the same level as JJ and Mason when it comes to Star Wars, oh man, have I been waiting to see Luke and be the true Luke like on this new stuff? And she ran. I I. Like I said, I'm not the level of Star Wars that you guys are, but I absolutely loved seeing him. That was going to be my topic was this question. All right. Is and and I kind of had to stray away from it when I brought up the Bechdel test earlier because I was like, oh, shit, I don't want to I don't want to go into that right now. One is I think, holy shit, are they just going to explore every point of view in the Star Wars galaxies? Like, are we going to get like, you know, a year or two from now, are we going to get like some show just based on, I don't know, the guy who raised Anakin as like a slave, the little bug guy, you know what I mean? Like at some point they're going to go everywhere they want. But when Luke and I didn't know it was Luke until basically, okay, so I guess a little bit when they showed his glove and that was like halfway through the fight. And then especially at the end when you could see him standing there and I could tell by his height and then he put the, once he had his hands up, I was like, shit, it's definitely him. And the CGI was amazing. Like Marvel's done that once or twice with like Robert Downey Jr. and um, and the original Ant-Man and like uh, they've been able to de-age them in a way that like Tron, I don't know if you remember Tron, they didn't do a good job at it. <laughs> now that, I mean, I was completely happy when I saw Luke and I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But now that you guys have described not only that there's fighting techniques to lightsabers, 
that I have no idea about, but that this was all just kind of like a buildup. I mean, not all of it, but it, it led into a full on Luke, which I did have to watch a second time. And I was like, because I saw a note online that was like, kind of like saying like, oh, it was a so-so lightsaber scene. I was like, no, it was pretty fucking badass. And when I watched it again, dude, that's when the score comes in. And yeah, the cameras, you're right. It's just like the fucking Rogue One, which is a great callback. And if you got him fighting like Anakin, like doing callbacks like that, then it's fucking amazing what they did with this. And I love that Mason brought up the different saber styles because I, there was one more in there that he only does it one time, but it's he does Mace Windu's. So he pulls Va'apot, the one where he goes up above his head and oh. drops into the dark saber and then pulls it back out. That over the head move is a style seven move. So I was wow. like, and they've they've hinted and talked about possibly Mace Windu making some sort of appearance, whether he's alive or <laughs> like, dude, that would be sick. But I love because we've also wondered, at least I have, where did Luke because there was no way that his training by the end of Return of the Jedi could just be what he got from Obi-Wan in a half a movie and Yoda in a movie and then like for five minutes in the first of another. It just something else had to have come. And we know that these these fighting styles can come from, you know, and it would be great if he's talked to Anakin. Right. And Force Ghost Form, if he's talked to Obi-Wan since. I mean, even everyone from Qui-Gon to Mace Windu, all of these guys. And we know from the rise of Skywalker that they're willing to talk to other Jedi. Right. Mm, we yeah. see that at the end. So how cool would that be if he's still getting his training? And and I love, too, that his attitude's a little different in this one. Mm -hmm. Like, he's got that cocky confidence of, I'm the shit. Like, yeah, you're welcome. I just saved your ass. I'm here for the kid. <laughs> and I'll protect him with my I love it. He's like, I'll give my life for the kid. But his gifts without training are nothing. Like, he just had this cocky confidence that you missed in the sequel trilogy because he's gone through this really shitty thing that he blames himself for a lot of things for. But he also, you didn't get to quite see it except for a bit of it at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, you know, when he's in Jabba's palace. But it, the confidence that he exudes and to a point of almost cockiness, I really, really enjoyed seeing him through that. And Jay, I was, I'm really glad you shared because I was wondering from a perspective of someone that's relatively new to the Star Wars universe, what that would be like to see from those eyes. I don't see anything from those eyes anymore. So yeah. It's well, really you know what? Fun. Another perspective that you just kind of gave me by talking about his confidence is um because i remember a lot of people hated in the the new trilogy that he was this kind of like i'm done with the force type of guy but if you kind of look at, at, at him with fresh eyes it's like okay so i would love to go into what made him that but all of that seems like a life cycle of the force you know it kind of seems like maybe even yoda probably would have gotten there at some point like you know what he does like when he talks to him it goes for him he's like those are fucking books I don't give a shit. Like, so it is a process. Like you go from like truly believing it to using it. And then you kind of like, you got to work your way to, to, I think, I think um, Luke is the only person that we've ever seen with the force to go a full life cycle. You know what I mean? Like everybody always gets cut short or the movie cuts off. But I think now we kind of really see that. And they did pick up on that on his confidence. And I got to know from the deep cut guys, what the fuck did R2 say to baby Yoda? They did a whole scene of just beeping, and I was like, what's going on here? Dude, I think they recognized each other. I think R2 recognized him. So Grogu uh, was uh, a apprentice at the old Jedi Temple, and they right. said that he had a lot of masters, which, I mean, you typically have one master, so that's interesting there. But, I mean, R2, you know, R2 was – 
I think he recognized him. So that's, I think that's what that was. Well, at least he's got a friend. As I say, I would agree. He either recognized him or it was the fact that Yoda, he lo- he's so similar yeah. to Yoda. Because yeah, yeah, I oh. laughed because I was like, to me, I was like, I wanted, <laughs> here's what I wanted. So when, when R2 rolls up, first of all, I, I peed myself a little. R2 <laughs> is, as you can, and I'd show you, but my camera's down here. I got this giant R2-D2. Like, I love R2-D2. He's my ringtone. He's all that fun stuff. <laughs> anyway. Even the depressed one from the, the early, the new trilogy, oh, where he's all depressed. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love R2. Unconditional. <laughs> when he comes rolling out, like, I was so tickled. And then he freaks out. And what I wanted him to do was, like, stick out his little robot arm and hand Grogu the flashlight that Yoda uh. tried to steal from him in, 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 in Empire Strikes Back. Because I, I thought, like, when he was bouncing and screaming, like, I, I thought in my mind he was telling Luke, don't let this asshole steal my flashlight shit. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I really like the idea of Mason. What you were saying is maybe he knew him because R2 was a fixture in the Jedi Temple and throughout the capital where we know now that he was there for, you know, years and years and years. So it would not surprise me if he knew him. That's a great point. I read something that was like uh, maybe Anakin saved Gorgu Mm. when he killed all those kids. Like he didn't... Intentionally, they got to do a show on Gorgu, man, because now we don't... Now everybody wants to know... What's happening with this kid, man? But also, let's get into the sad part of it. Gorgu is gone from the Mandalorians, guys. He's, uh, I don't know what Mando's going to do. And I loved when he took his mask off. The whole thing was very sad to me. I'm very emotionally tied into, because now, just like just like Mando, I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? I have a dark saber and no kid, man. I'll just go fuck the world up, I guess. But uh, <laughs> like, that's how I feel when I'm not with my kid. When he took his mask off and he didn't have the mustache, I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. But him saying goodbye was so heartbreaking, man. He was like, he doesn't want to go with you. He's like, no, he's asking your permission. Bang. And then he like goes and he's like, all right, man. He's, and then he does tell him he's not going to be safe unless he's with me. You know what I mean? So that that also made sense to me instead of just learning. Like, okay, it's kind of like sending your kid to school. You win. You win. You win, Luke Skywalker. I'm going to miss him. Dude, I think one thing with Star Wars that's come about is like the nobody's ever really gone. And you know what's really never gone? Something that makes a lot of money. So, <laughs> so and he said, I, I will see you again. This is not the end of Grogu. No chance. <laughs> we've, we've dove way back into the past of Star Wars. We've never talked about the future. We've got Rey, but Grogu with, his, with that species and their ability to live a thousand years plus, it, it opens up the potential for maybe something in the farther future. And I know they're utilizing Yoda in that way, in that Yoda's in, in the uh, the High Republic, he's still around, you know, and so it's a familiar character. So that's something that it, that's interesting that they can that they can play with. Yeah, you think Mark Hamill would do a show? By the way, they did a great job at the end of the show. Before we'll get into what's after the show, but when they're just doing the billing. Because I was wondering, I was like, did they hire somebody that looked just fucking like Mark <laughs> Hamill? And then at the end, really, it goes so slow. And then it's like, and Mark Hamill. I was like, of course he's in it, man. Why wouldn't he be? But do you think he'd do a show? Yeah, well, he so he voiced for this. Like he actually was on set. He the speaking parts were actually Mark Hamill. How they kept it a secret for a year—that's another genius thing about this show. Like I think they release false information just to get people distracted. Because yeah. when you listen to to what's his face, 
that plays the Mandalorian now. He's like, there was never an issue on set. I'm like, these assholes released this shit because they knew that the news would talk about it and nobody would dig deeper to find out who else was going to be on this show because that's what they do. I was going to ask you, like, was this all just a fucking gimmick? Because we saw so much Mando. Like, I was so happy. Well, she lied flat out, too, because she said after her episode, episode three or whatever it was, she was no wasn't in any more of the season. And then there she was. That was my first thing. She popped up. I was like, you liar. <laughs> and I was happy that she lied to me. But yeah, it was funny. So I, I one, it was great that they kept a secret. Because he was on set. He did the voice. And then they did have a fill-in that looks very similar to him. Hmm. But there are rumors that they're working to cast for the Luke Skywalker role. And my brain just went blank. But it's the dude that plays the Winter Soldier. Sebastian. Uh, Dan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They look a lot alike. Oh, like, yeah. They do. Yeah, it's much better casting than what they did with Solo. Solo was just like, who the fuck is this person? Doesn't look any. (laughs) But one thing I did want to ask, though, because Gideon gets his last shots in, right? Is Bo-Katan dead? No, no, no. Okay. All right. No. Just making sure. No, she's still alive because that's the crux of you want to know what's going to happen next season. Uh, and this, I want to talk about this because it actually irritated me. This is the only thing that bothered me. And I look, I know John Favreau. I definitely know Dave Filoni will have an answer because this is Dave Filoni's character. He created Bo-Katan. He did Rebels and Clone Wars. So he was the one that had ha- something happen that irritated me. When she would not take the Darksaber by having it given to her, I was like, whoa, what the hell? Because... At the end of Rebels, the Mandalorian it is given to her by a member of the Rebels team. Right. And so, and she accepts it and uses it. So there's going to have to be something there that is an answer as to why she's not willing to do it that way again. Mm-hmm. Um, and my guess is, is that she lost it. So there's a lack of trust. I don't know. But I think you'll see that be a heavy piece of season three is this. She wants the Darksaber for one reason. Mando has it. He doesn't necessarily want it, but it's rightfully his. And she needs to now, they've set it up to take it in a course of a battle. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be this tension between the two of them. So I'm interested to see where they go with that. That's the the light at the end of the tunnel with Grogu being maybe off our first season um, mm-hmm. and not coming back for a minute. But, I, you know, is this battle of these two should be very interesting. I have uh, one or two deep cut questions about that. So one is, did Bo-Katan lose to Gideon? At some point in time, we don't know how that happened. Okay. No. Second, second is not a very good fighter, so I don't know how. (laughs) No, right? Because I was like, "Damn, man!" Because that fight was it was cool, and the and I even wrote a note like they savored the saber but they when they did that stretch on the wall like they like i think i seen that one other uh movie i think i was like man they really kept that going for a minute because it looked so good but first of all i think mando is a better again better suited to rule mandalore than bo-katan bo-katan seems to me and even if i got the initial impression wrong because she was pissed off at boba she seems like power hungry and mando's not man but mando you know, this is the way. So I feel like I feel like without Gorgu, take over the planet, Mando. I'm all for it. You know me. I've already said I drank the polar ice. I'm in the fucking cult too, man. I'm right there with you. But uh, I also wondered though when he did forfeit, I was like, well, couldn't he just? And I was like, well, Mando's never really lo- he's never lost a fight. And is that a Mandalorian thing? Like if you lose a fight, like you're probably no longer Mandalorian, or, or at least his cultist face, because even him submitting didn't work and i was like well can't she like just kick him and he'd be like "Ooh, you beat me right. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I don't know. As far as that goes, I think kind of what you're talking about, though, Jay, is something that's really struck me just sitting here listening to you that I didn't think about till just now is what's going to happen when the other children of the Watch find out that he has the Darksaber? Like, I can't mm-hmm. imagine that the armorer is going to let that slide, right? Like, she's gone right. now. Look, Death Watch, if that's where this came from, which is that they've leaned into that being the children of the Watch's Death Watch, they've always wanted to rule... In fact, they had the dark saber forever and ever, and Didn't so they took it from Django. They took it from Django, at least in the EU, at the, yeah. in the old canon. They took it from Django. Well, they stole it originally from the Jedi Temple, and then Django ended up with it, and then they took it from him. But you also, and this was something that I learned later this year too, or earlier this year, is that the big character in season one that Jin, Din Djarin fights down by the armor, and they kind of end with their vibro blades, and yeah. like, this is the way. That is actually a direct descendant, voiced by John Favreau, of Previsla. He so the guy from Clone Wars that originally brought in the dark saber, he is a direct descendant of previous. Uh, Unless you read the the casting notes, like you didn't know that, but he's also voiced by John Favreau, who voiced Previsla in the Clone Wars animated series. So I'm like, ooh, now you've got a Vishla that's ready and ha- is part of a clan that has the dark saber again. So now, just as you were talking, I was thinking about that, going, man, that's going to open up some very interesting. He's going to be stuck between two factions that he trusts mm-hmm. and has been a part of. Oh, it's going to be. It should be interesting. I'm getting more excited about mm-hmm. life without Grogu, even thinking about it. Even yeah, yeah. back. What's it mean to man? What's it mean to be a Mandalorian and uh, to have Mandalore and where are your allegiances? I mean, it's a yeah. This I mean, this could be the whole new series, and I'm watching it. Oh, me yeah. too. And all the different hierarchies, like mm-hmm. you know, just like you're saying, like Mando, other people. I'm curious how Mando's going to interact with this prior plan now because he has removed this, but that's yeah. going to cause some rifts. So I'm just curious to see how that happens. I don't see him automatically being like, bow before me, bitches. Like, I see him being like, what do I do with this thing, guys? <laughs> he still has to learn the jetpack. Now he's got to learn a fucking saber, too. Well, and here's the thing, though, is even though he's removed his helmet and that will cause tension, according to Death Watch, and at least the Death Watch of the past that we know through the show and through comics, they're going to see the dark saber, and they're not, they, there's a good chance they won't care mm. about his helmet now because he is. Oh, yeah. Death Watch 100% falls in line with the Darksaber because we saw Death Watch become part of Darth Maul. They followed Darth Maul willingly because he had the Darksaber. You know, so that's who I thought came in on the X-Wing was Darth Maul. <laughs> According to canon, he's dead at this time frame. So, okay. Yeah. Anyway, spoiler alert. Holy shit. <laughs> but <laughs> I just want to pivot a thought here to get to the post credit scene. Yes. What if, because I do have a question about it, but what if this whole series is over? What if we only had the Mandalorian? And what if that's what these Star Wars seasons are going to be like, where it's just two seasons to get us to where we want to be? What if this was all just a lead up to the book of Boba? Like, what if we don't get a Mandalorian season three? Like, that would be such a letdown to me personally. Well, I know we're getting a season three because they've announced. Okay, good. However, there is an interesting crossover thing here because season three, the release date was lifted, was announced as Christmas 2021, December 2021. And at the Book of Boba, at the end of the cutscene, they said coming December 2021. I have a hard time imagining that they're going to release two different shows at the same Mm -hmm. time. You don't compete with your two shows. So my question to you guys, is season three the Book of Boba? Are they going to give us a break from Din Djarin and that storyline now that we've reached a certain point of view conclusion and we focus on Boba for a season? 
Dude, it scares me because I think it might be. And like so far, the Mandalorian's followed it's followed a book format, chapter one, chapter two. It's it it makes sense. And then, dude, I thought the same thing when they said December uh, twenty twenty one. I was like, shit, you know, like, is this the end of Jen? Like, man, like I love this guy. Like, yeah. so uh, yeah, I mean, whew, what a movie. Yeah, I I think uh, I think you're right because. I was going to say earlier when we were talking about the different points of view, I was like, man, they really named this show perfectly because I said before, this isn't Grogu. This is the Mandalorian. And so as long as we're following a Mandalorian, like anything can happen. And that makes a lot of sense because I thought like when they showed the 2021 thing, now that that I know that's information to like appetize us into thinking this, it makes much more sense where I was like, holy fuck, did they just throw in like a, a, a promo at the end of the Mandalore and like, cause I didn't know, I still don't know who the fuck he shot. I don't know what any of that was about. I was like, I'm assuming this is fan service, but was it just a promo? But now that I know that it's not, I absolutely agree. I think that we're going to not, cause they even said like, maybe we're going to focus when they had the quote unquote troubles on set. Um, we're going to focus on different characters. Well, yeah, we're going to spend a season with Boba Fett. Dude, and think about this too. Like, let's say you're watching this for the first time, this whole series, and it's the year 2025, okay? And you're starting from season one. Star Wars doesn't like do post-credit scenes, like, you know, showing, oh, like, like the acolyte that we're talking about, that's coming out. That So they're not like promoting another show, I don't yeah, think. You know what I mean? I if you're going to watch this through and you watch this at the end of the credits, you know, in the future for continuity, it would make sense if like, oh, then, you know, continue mm-hmm. watching is going to be the book of boba you know the only I thing know. that holds back on that is they've built so much up with book and dark saber they've got to finish that story somehow so maybe they i don't know maybe we see both of them in this new season i i don't know but i feel like so that's got to be the book of boba isn't yeah because i completely agree with ian like that's where i want to stay is in this lane is the book of boba something that was announced in the vesper's call <laughs> no it was not. Oh, shit. So right. It was new. And, and so, again, that leans into this isn't a different show. But, Ian, to your point, I'm with you. I want to know more about the Darksaber. But mm-hmm. why can't four be the book of Bo-Katan, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. you know, so now all of a sudden, again, because of all the options, because there's also, and I'm blanking on her name, but from Rebels, that we've, are, again, we've already been introduced to Thrawn. There's no reason that we can't be introduced to that Rebels, more of the Rebels animated show. There was a whole nother Mandalorian character there that and one thing that we'll talk about i know we'll talk about this next week when we talk about the investor call but at very least rangers of the new republic which is a new show that they announced and the ahsoka show will have a crossover event of some sort with the mandalorian so those three shows will have a crossover and to me that makes sense with thrawn being this overarching villain that's going to be there but that gives you an opportunity to tie in a lot of mandalorian characters that tie into all of these storylines now so my thought is and, and the more we talk about it the more convinced i am that the book of boba is season three and it opens up to it at least a chance for a book of Bo- Bo-Katan. And honestly, I'm okay with it. The more I think about it too, like I'm disappointed on one hand, but I also TV shows with me, like the fatigue is real. And Star Wars fatigue is very real because there's so much. And usually it was so pinpointed on one storyline. And so my hope is, is that Disney's kind of learning a lesson of Star Wars fatigue is real because there's so much. So if you break it up and you completely change the storyline to a different Mandalorian, it gives that refreshing piece of it's something new. And yet that same familiar piece that I love, kind of why Rogue One to me was so, so fantastic. Mm. It was so different, but it was just familiar enough. 
that it kept me in the Star Wars world. So, yeah, I really think it'll be season three. Dude, I don't know about you guys, but I was always jealous of, the, of how Marvel was able to do these little shows and movies and then bring it all together. And the fact that we're all sitting here saying we wish there was more, we wish there was more. And what JJ's saying, I mean, it it absolutely could set us up for our own version of that, which would be, I think, beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, although it would be like a little bit like the Avengers, you know, like you'd have to go a year disappointed because you're not going to see <laughs> uh, Mando. But then next year, you're going to be very happy. Very, very happy. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's true. I mean, how happy are you going to be when Man- when Din Djarin comes back, right? Or when yeah. Grogu's back? Because it's been a year or it's been two years. Like I, that kind of excitement, you can't you, you can't fake that. So I, I think it's a great way to create that. As long as they're putting out good content, I'm willing to wait for that to come back. But so what? Let, what did Boba do? What happened, dude? He shot Bib Fortuna, man. Like, fat Bib Fortuna, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he wasted old man fat Bib Fortuna. So Bib Fortuna was in Return of the Jedi when they go into Jabba's palace, and he was really skinny, and I he was. Like it was my favorite thing. He's always arguing. He's like, ooh, Jabba Nobada. <laughs> like, it's like so when they showed him sitting on that throne, I was like, holy shit, that is fantastic. And then he's trying to talk his way out. He's like, Boba, I thought you were dead. Just blast. <laughs> yeah. There's so, so many good. rumors. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. So does, does Boba rule this world? Is this the world where he got eaten? Yeah, this is this is Tatooine. Okay. So you see the dual suns. Oh, as soon as they showed the dual suns, I was like, "Oh, we're back on Tatooine." I was like, "This has got to do with Boba." Jabba's and then Palace. they, yeah, and then they showed Jabba's palace. I was like, "Oh shit, what are we yeah. doing?" And, yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh! They show Fat Bib Fortuna, and again, like <laughs> I teared up a little bit. Like I got, and I they shrunk the freaking the throne because it used to be all big and huge for Jabba. Now it's just little. oh, they did. So yeah, anyway, I love okay. that they Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that the next? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We got fat Bib Fortuna and Fat Boba took his place. I love it. <laughs> Man, you know, like to me, that was just like fan service. But now I'm oh, excited. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, this is a whole nother storyline they can go on. But to get back to the thing when I was talking about the Bechtel test, because I honestly didn't want to talk about the end of the show at the beginning of the show. Um, she freed the slave. First of all, she yep. killed all of the people. I don't know how much killing went on. I think we just saw the end scene. I'm sure that Boba did a lot more, but, you know, she killed all the people and then she freed the slave. And I was like, you know, this is a very pro female episode. Like, I fucking dig it. Mm-hmm. And then he comes in and he gets that final shot and then just knocks the motherfucker over, sits on the chair and they're like, the dumb. Yep. What I loved it, too, because the opening scene when they're first coming in is almost a mirror image as well to Return of the Jedi when Leia comes in as the mm. bounty hunter to save Han. She, they, they, she shoots a couple of them. They fall down those set of stairs and then she walks in holding Chewie and she's like, I got Chewbacca and he's loving it. So it was almost an exact mirror image coming down Ooh, those nice, stairs. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Susan like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Like, it was just See, amazing. This is the beauty of of the show is that there's like you can watch it with fresh eyes like me and then you can also watch it like like ian or like you or like jj who has all the deep cuts you know what i mean like there's you can watch it on any level and it's good which that just made me think of a question what do you think would have happened if luke showed up and boba fett was in that room with them you know what i'm saying it's no wonder they sent boba away because you can't have those two in the same damn room because boba's gonna go after his ass because he sat in the freaking sarlacc pit for years because of this asshole so (laughs) 
what he did actually brought up a question. I was like, man, you, you think you can warp somewhere, shoot the ship, warp away, and then do it again over and over again? Like, oh, yeah. He took out the TIE fighters pretty easily, and then he could have shot a cannon and just warped away. I was like, that'd be a good way to fight like in space. Mm-hmm. They do that. And one that funny that you bring that up, Jay. Thrawn <laughs> in the most recent, not the most recent, but the third part of the, the trilogy, the new trilogy of books that they brought out Thrawn. He actually uses that technique. They go into uh, the outer regions and his people called the Chiss. He's helping them in this book. And he has a squadron of these special TIE fighters that you see in the Rebels universe it's like this wicked try those the flat panels there's three of them on these things oh for real and they can travel in hyperspace which most tie fighters aren't built for hyperspace but these ones are so he uses this squadron and they come flying in on hyperspace take pot shots and then immediately take hyperspace out and then come back in because there's an interdictor within this area which an interdictor will pull you out of hyperspace so they have to sit on the edge of this interdictor's range pop in shoot pop back out so it it definitely is a a tactic that's used at least by thrawn in the canon so okay i think like thrawn does (laughs) yeah just need blue skin and red eyes and you're on there you go halloween (laughs) exactly all right boys we have talked this thing up i appreciate you guys just this has been a great ton of fun guys next week all four of us right you guys are going to be here next week because yeah, i know that's still vacation so mason we'll be glad to have you back let's talk about the the investor call uh, let's talk about all the tv shows and and the couple of movies that they announced and uh, talk about theories and some things we're excited about i think that'll be a great episode mason you got a lot going on you do a lot of things man why don't you tell everybody that's listening and watching uh, what it is you do and where they can find you sir Appreciate you, JJ. Yeah, dude, that was so fun, man. I do this in my free time. So, you know, I with all my other boys too. So I love it. Yeah. So uh, right now I'm opening up my first restaurant with a couple partners. It's called Agape. It's a, it's like Chipotle, um, but it's Mediterranean. JJ, where, where are you guys all located at? I'm in Utah. Ian's in Utah. And then Jay, you're I'm in, in DC. 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 So Jay, are you familiar with Cava? Yeah, we have them all over the place. Okay. So we don't have any in Columbus. Uh, so. <laughs> It's a it's it's a similar concept in in that in that category. So first nice. locations opened up on Polaris Parkway, where JJ used to live yeah. close to. So we're super excited about that, and we're looking. Our second location's already uh, we just signed our lease, so we'll be on uh, Kahana uh, in Hamilton Parkway or Hamilton Road. So we're looking to grow that. It's Eat Agape on Instagram, agapeeats.com, and uh, just come in to Agape. Say Mason, I'll probably just be there, but if I'm not, <laughs> just say Mason, and we'll hook you up with a free meal. So. Nice. By the way, Mason, I uh, I I was I was trying to say I was like the way I see it, the way Ian sees it, and then I saw your name and I was like Masonius. I was like, I'm not gonna say that. Fuck that. I don't know. <laughs> Masonius. That's because Mason and I both have a deep love for Sidious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. You're looking forward to Acolyte, which we'll talk about next week because of the possible implications of what that show could mean. So um, both lovers of Palpatine and Sidious. So. Mm-hmm. All right, boys. Hell yeah. All right, Mason, dude, we appreciate you joining us, man. We look forward to having you on next week. We loved your insights. Guys, this has been a fun, fun season. I'm looking forward to it. I, I think we'll probably continue on talking about these, and then we've got Marvel shows coming up. So I think with with Disney Plus alone, they're going to keep the TV podcast pretty, pretty busy. Can I uh, just plug two ideas that I might be doing with your help? Yeah, uh, of course. The What's Our Verdict Media. Well, one, I got reached out by Good Pods. I don't know how many people have heard of it yet. It's like a small, smaller up-and-coming app where you can follow. For example, Kim Kardashian just signed on, and she has a podcast. 
and you can follow her. You can see what she's listening to. You can see what your friends are listening to. And it's it's, it's pretty cool because um, you can interact with your fan base. Like I had to claim your What's Our Verdict TV podcast. It was already there. Um, but I know back in the day, you know, even now, like I'm always looking for good podcasts and especially when I run out. And so uh, I've been talking to them and do something on that. But for, for my own shows, you know, I'm a film nerd, so I got to do something with film. But besides that, I was talking to JJ about two ideas, one of which was the craziest fucking stories. That's the other thing I do. If I'm not talking in film, I'm talking a crazy ass true story that people are like, you give me too much information, man. <laughs> Your fucking life's crazy. And uh, I want to interview like friends of mine, like even like, you know, ex-convicts, you know, and just get the fucking wildest shit. So definitely. No, Jay, I, I love it. And, you know, we've talked. So definitely keep an eye out for, you know, some further What's Our Verdict Media podcast coming down the road because we are definitely working on growing that brand. And if you if you have a podcast, you're listening, you want to talk to me about it, feel free to reach out at hosts at whatsourverdict.com. We'd be happy to chat with you about getting to be part of the network and, and part of the group. So a lot of fun things. Yeah, Star Wars. I'm so excited for all these shows. We'll keep doing it. We'll keep running it. We'll keep having everybody on. Mason, we'd love to have you join us anytime for Star Wars, Marvel, any of it. So we'll get Shay on too. and We'll just get an old Discover geek out going on. I love it. <laughs> there we go. All right, guys. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. We appreciate it. And we will catch you next week at 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time, 3.30 Eastern. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. 